the daily lectionary comments for June the 15th. Uh, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, and uh, also John chapter 15, beginning at verse 12. All right, Proverbs chapter 15. Uh, we have the usual collection of nuggets of wisdom for us to consider, um, jewels about uh, folly and hot-tempered hot people, um, and how, like verse 19 says, uh, you know, for sluggards, uh, everything seems uh, like a hedge of thorns. Everything is a lot of work for lazy people. Um, the value of, of uh, getting advice and being surrounding yourself with advisors, uh, verse 16 and 17, are an interesting pair. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it, trouble that the Lord will bring. Uh, and then that's paired with verse 17. It says, better is a dinner of herbs, where love is, than the fattened ox and hatred with it. So you can see how those two are paired together to give different examples of how having a good thing mixed with a bad thing uh, might not, it makes the good thing not so good after all. So you have all this uh, wisdom and advice, but I want you to note that like a little thread running through this entire chapter, there are a number of proverbs here that when we read them together, we get a very interesting insight in another kind of wisdom that we need to keep in mind while we're thinking about all these other little nuggets of, of wisdom and truth to help uh, with our lives we need to remember some eternal truths that are going on at all times so we're going to look at for example verse 3 and verse 11 we're going to take a look at what those say and then we're going to take a look at verse 8 9 25 and 29 and match those up and see what we're learning here First, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So while you're going about thinking about how to be prudent and how to make wise decisions and not foolish decisions, uh, bear in mind that the Lord is watching all things. Verse 11, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. Death and destruction, okay? The grave and destruction. How much more? the hearts of the children of man. These two Proverbs tell us this, God sees everything and God understands the real motives of what everybody is doing. Okay, so whatever is going on outwardly, um, however confused we may be, God knows what our motives are. God knows what's really happening. God is going to sort it all out in the end. So while we're going about applying the wisdom of this world or watching other people not apply the wisdom of this world, God is watching all things. Now, considering that God is watching all things and knows the motives of every heart, let's consider verses 8, 9, 25, and 29. Verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. Both cases we have the wicked, uh, something about the wicked being an abomination to the Lord, the Lord who sees everything and understands the motives of the hearts. Okay? So we want to bear that in mind while we're going about our lives, that the Lord is against, not just against the wicked, but what they do, even when they do a good thing, like a sacrifice, is an abomination to him. Look at verse 25. The Lord tears down the house of the proud. So he may build a great house, but in the end, 
the Lord's going to pull out the posts from underneath it, and it's all going to collapse. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. So the scripture talks often about how God is the champion uh, of the widows and, and orphans uh, and the oppressed and the sojourner. And he warns the proud and he warns the rich not to oppress and not to take advantage of these people, because if you do, they will cry out to me. And when they do, I will hear. So verse 25 and then verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. So while we are living our lives, applying wisdom or not applying wisdom or watching other people apply the wisdom of God or be fools, and we see treasures being built and treasures being lost and, and, and uh, wonderful things happening and terrible things happening and all and all that goes on here in this world. Try to make sense of it. Running through all of that, we need to understand God is watching all. God understands everything. We need to understand whose side God is on and who will in the end prosper and who in the end will not. And that is wisdom that far outstrips all the little nuggets of wisdom that we are given for how to live a successful life in this world. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what those verses are telling us. John chapter 15 Jesus is here wanting to remind us and persuade us of who our real friends are and how important that is. Number one, Jesus says, I am your friend. And greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus lays down his life for us. He has shown us the greatest kind of love there is. And he says, you are friends, not servants, but friends. Actually, we are servants, but we are more than servants. We are also friends. He is taking us into his confidence. And he is telling us the way things really are in the world and with him. Servants don't get that kind of privilege from their masters, but we do. Our master tells us what he's all about. He is our friend. Don't forget that. Jesus also says, and he, he restates what earlier in the evening he had styled the new commandment, a new commandment I give to you. He restates it here. He says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I have been a friend to you. In the highest way a friend can be a friend, I've laid down my life for you. Now you must be friends to one another. You must be prepared to lay down your life for the fellow redeemed, the family into which God has grafted you in Christ. We are to love the fellow members of the body of Christ, the church. They are our friends. And Jesus would remind us that he and they are the only real friends we have in this world. The world, he says, hates him, and the world hates us. We and he are the only friends we have, not the world. Now, somebody will say, I don't think the world hates Jesus. In fact, the average unbeliever has a very high regard for Jesus. And I suppose that if we were to have a poll pitting virtually anybody in the world on one side and Jesus on the other, Jesus would probably win Virtually every single time, people have a high regard for Jesus. But actually, that's not quite right. 
Unbelievers have a high regard for Jesus as they think he is, or as they want him to be, or as they insist he is. They do not have a high regard for the Jesus that you and I preach, the Jesus that is here in the scripture, the Jesus that takes away sins and is Lord over all. They do not have a high regard for that. They have a high regard for Jesus, who is a great teacher or a great moral example, an inspirer of souls and things like that. They they have a high regard for that Jesus, but not the Jesus to whom they owe their obedience and who holds the keys of life and death. They, they do not have a high regard for that Jesus, that Jesus they hate. Likewise, the world does not hate us in their own eyes. They're perfectly fine with us being Christians. They're perfectly fine with our faith in Jesus. They're perfectly fine with our worship. They're perfectly fine with what we do as long as, number one, we keep it to ourselves. And if we don't keep it to ourselves, it's perfectly fine if what we want to do is, say, feed the poor. If we want to feed the poor, then they're happy with us. If we want our religion to be really nothing more for us than something to help us to cope in life and to get along better, a sort of medicine, an opiate of the masses, they're fine with that. But the moment we start proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that this way in which we walk is really the only way that a person can and should walk, now they hate that. Now here's what this passage is telling us. The world hates us. We have no friends in this world. The only friends we have in this world are not of this world. And so Jesus would remind us who our friends are. He is our friend, and we are to be friends to one another.